Welcome to Access College on KPFK 90.7 Los Angeles, a show devoted to helping students and families get better information about college admissions and better access to higher education. I'm your host, Jenny Umhofer. Today's show is part of a series that takes a closer look at college admissions from several very specific perspectives. Today's perspective, math and science and college admissions. Science is trending and the nerds are taking over. Everywhere you look, science, math, and engineering are moving out of the margins and into the limelight. Astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson has assumed a rock star status in social media and beyond. Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg are hailed as our generation's business visionaries. And a show about a bunch of scientists, roommates, is one of the most popular comedies on television. It's an exciting time for those who have a passion for numbers, experiments, and theories, especially those applying for college. So we're going to put these scientists, engineers, and mathematicians under the college admissions microscope. Today on Access College, the science of admissions. That's my work. Wow. Yeah, well, it's just some quantum mechanics, a little string theory doodling around the edges. That part there, that's just a joke. It's a spoof of the Born-Oppenheimer approximation. You're like one of those beautiful mind genius guys. Yeah. (laughs) That was a clip from The Big Bang Theory, a comedy on CBS set here in Pasadena, California, featuring scientists at the California Institute of Technology or Caltech. In many ways, Caltech is at the center of the college science, technology, and engineering universe. Recently, I headed over to Caltech for its pre-frosh weekend and spoke with young scientists who'd successfully navigated the college admissions process and been accepted to Caltech. I knew that I always wanted to do something in science engineering, and I kind of was, uh, I really wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do, but I definitely, at least from the time I was younger, I knew that, so... I knew that I was going to be going to some science school. I knew that uh, Caltech, obviously, was one, one of those would be as an option. I ended up applying to six schools. I applied to uh, Harvard, uh, MIT, uh, Carnegie Mellon, which is nearby. Uh, I applied to Caltech, Stanford, and USC as well. The four I was looking at then was Harvard, MIT, Caltech, and Stanford. But uh, I visited MIT, and I liked it there, but I think I'm still leaning towards Caltech. Well, right now it's narrowed down to MIT and Caltech. Yeah, good problem. <laughs> Not too bad. Like, I, it's so hard. In high school, I've tried to do some of my own like research, um, like going to UCSB and trying to partner with professors there to do some original things. And so I talked about that. I had an internship last summer, and so I tried to talk about yeah that. And just generally in showing that you are involved. Uh, Caltech has like I guess, a really strong strong push for undergraduate research and I think that if you show that you've already tried to do that on your own that really helps I think. I applied to I think Caltech, Stanford, two or three Ivy Leagues and then several UCs up and down the coast. I'm considering Caltech as well as Harvard. Uh, They're both good at what I want to study, math. You have to get an internship and that helps a lot so my school doesn't have because it's so small we don't have such a good um, college support system so I actually emailed a bunch of professors to get an internship and I got one in the summer of 10th grade where would where summer you, after 10th grade uh-huh. in City of Hope I, I think my, many people do a science fair project in 8th grade 
and there's nothing at all stopping you from trying to do that again in high school. And not many people do, but like, I know one other person who went to Caltech, and they also did a pretty impressive research project, I think, in 10th or 11th grade, and that probably helped them a lot. Deciding between Caltech and Johns Hopkins, I mean, I really liked the research aspect of both schools. Uh, the financial reasons, I, I narrowed it down to those two because of the financial reasons. Um, but John Hopkins is closer to home for me, so I'm probably leaning towards there. I, I interned at, a, at the Applied Physics Lab for John Hopkins. Um, so basically, that was focused on aviation security. My first mentor was for a computer science internship I did there. And like the next two mentors, I mean, it's kind of... They were kind of switching around a little bit. Um, I had like two mentors from my school year. As I spoke with the newly accepted Caltech applicants, a common thread emerged. They all seemed to have done some sort of research or internship during their high school career that demonstrated their interest in science. The opportunities for internships or research assistant positions seemed to be plentiful and readily available. Most of the students I spoke with seemed to think that it was the extra effort to seek out a research opportunity that set them apart and made the difference in their efforts to get into their college of choice. I also did some research at Cal State Fullerton. It was about this bacteria that could oxidize manganese. We're supposed to find out what parts of the genome and protein were responsible for that. I would say definitely to be getting started in this stuff early. I mean, I started during my sophomore year getting started uh, I started with a computer science summer camp at Carnegie Mellon near where I lived and that was really something that really opened me up to the idea that I need to start preparing for colleges and things like that and also that uh, you know, to seek out these kind of opportunities like the summer after that I also did a research at the University of Pittsburgh. I worked with the professor there uh, on some astronomy research and uh, I mean it wasn't a formal program or anything I did. All I did was I literally just emailed the professor and said, hey, I'm interested in your research. Uh, could you take me on? And he had me there. So that was really a great opportunity for me to see what it is to be a scientist. And uh, definitely those kinds of things like that are very, I thought were very useful for me. Good afternoon. class of 2018. As Caltech's executive director of admissions, Jared Whitney, spoke to the students he'd just admitted to Caltech, I found myself thinking about my own time in the admissions office at Caltech. I remembered arriving at Caltech with my background in the arts and humanities, thinking that those subjects had cornered the market on passion and enthusiasm. What I learned at Caltech was that passion runs just as high in math and science. Have you demonstrated a consistent interest and passion for science, technology, engineering, and math? And finally, we have a profound and positive impact on our campus community. Yeah. <laughs> I was a little worried about the hesitation there. That passion for math and science was on full display in the keynote address at Caltech's Prefrosh Weekend, which was given by Professor Paul Asimo, a geologist and geochemist who did his graduate work at Caltech. I sat down with him to talk about what it takes to get into college as a budding scientist. Today I'm sitting down with Professor Paul Asimo, Professor of Geology and Geochemistry at Caltech here in Pasadena, California. Professor Asimo is a Harvard graduate, California native, and an accomplished concert band musician to boot. Thanks very much for being with us. Oh, you're welcome. I'm glad so, to talk. So let's start with the basics. Why geology? Well, geology is a surprise, 
I think, was a surprise to my family, and it's a surprise to a lot of people because it's not one of the big few sciences that college prep kids in American high schools think of as what you're supposed to do with yourself. There isn't an AP geology test, and so it isn't really taught, at least in California, except in sixth grade. So people who end up being geologists often stumble into it when they discover the range of important problems having to do with living on the earth and living with the earth and getting resources from the earth and using them responsibly. And so I like geology because it is a science and it uses the principles of physics and chemistry and biology and mathematics and engineering to solve really important real-world problems. And at the same time, the lifestyle of a geologist often involves actually going outdoors and seeing the world instead of sitting in an office or a windowless lab. So uh, geology appeals to me both intellectually and emotionally. I took a mineralogy class my first semester freshman year at Harvard and it was completely eye-opening. It was magnificent. It was the last time the class was taught by a very senior geologist and mineralogist named James B. Thompson, Jr., and I had never really thought about the mathematical underpinnings of the beauty of minerals and crystals and the symmetry relations, and we could go out and take field trips just to look at the granite fence posts and curbstones around Boston. Mm -hmm. uh, it was great. I was hooked. So. The reason I took the class in the first place was actually a recommendation from my brother, who, three years older, also went to Harvard and had gone there intending to be a physics major and had not liked physics at all and ended up in social studies, and now he's an attorney and he's very happy and successful. But his advice to me was, if you're thinking about science, think about it more broadly. Look around. See what else is there. It was very good advice. So I went to Harvard School here in North Hollywood before it merged with Westlake. And I was pretty good at pretty much everything. So I don't think it was obvious to me uh, at an early age whether I was heading towards science or towards humanities or towards social science or what. I was entertaining all of those things still when I went to college. But I did have some really outstanding science teachers and math teachers and um, some really special experiences. Um, in calculus and in AP physics and in AP chemistry. In fact, my high school AP chemistry class was so good that I never took another chemistry class in college or in graduate school. In some cases, the AP uh, curricula really are all you need, sometimes even if you're going to be a professional in a related field. So I really can't point to any early experiences, particularly in geology, other than you know awareness of the outdoors. Mm -hmm. And um, I did have a rock collection from an early age, but nobody thought it would amount to that much. Right. So I came to Caltech for graduate school and um, was here for six years to get my master's and PhD. I went away for a postdoc at Columbia University's Lamont Doherty Earth Observatory, and then I came back as an assistant professor, and now I've been here on the faculty for 15 years. So. When I was in high school and I was looking for colleges, even though I'm from Southern California, I don't think I'd ever heard of Caltech. It certainly never crossed my radar as a place that I might apply or consider going. Um, really, it first came to my attention after I was already a geology major and doing research in planetary science and being exposed to research at the highest level. And it was my undergraduate research advisor at Harvard who saw that this was the place for me and 
arranged for me to meet a couple of Caltech professors who were traveling through town and told me to apply here for graduate school. And he really figured it out because it was the best move that I've made. So Caltech is unique amongst universities and graduate schools in the world, really, but in the United States in particular for its extremely high quality of students and faculty and access to resources for doing research for its very focused nature. You know, it's really specifically a science and engineering school. We do offer and require humanities and social science classes because we believe that to be a scientist or an engineer in the world, you have to know more than just science and engineering. But it's not a place you're going to choose to go to school if your intent is to be a humanities or a social scientist. Caltech is special in several ways. One, its focus on science and engineering. Two, the very high quality of people and of the research that's done here. Three, the very small size. Caltech is really a very small place. There's about ideally 235 students in each undergraduate class, so a total of about 930 students or so. There are less than 300 professorial faculty, and by comparison to a lot of other universities, you would think that Caltech would be completely negligible, and yet we have a huge impact on the world huge. because of the research that we do and because the students that we train go out and do amazing things in academia and in industry and in government and in the arts and all sorts of things. So I understand you have young students, even high school students, working in your lab. What do you look for in a young scientist when you're thinking about bringing on a young intern? Well, mostly I look for somebody who's interested enough to contact me <laughs> or who's done enough research to know that I'm out there and that the kind of work I do might be interesting to them. So, you know, if I have space and somebody calls me up and says, can I work for you? Well, I'm probably going to say yes without digging too hard. But um, mostly I'm looking for somebody who's going to be careful in a lab where we have safety rules and where everything has to be done right or the experiment is going to fail. Um, and someone who is responsible enough to keep to a schedule, be there on time so we know they're going to be there. Um, at the high school level, I don't need that much specific background in math um, or any particular science, but I think the impact of the experience of working in our lab is going to be most helpful for somebody who's thinking about at least uh, going into physical sciences or mathematics or engineering. What are some of the things you think a science-focused high school student can do to get into a place like Caltech? The, my best advice is don't do anything in order to get into a place like Caltech. Do things because you love them, you care about them, they appeal to your mind and your spirit, and they're honest expressions of yourself. I think colleges can tell the difference between um, people who are self-motivated and genuinely interested and people who are just trying to get into college. So the most important thing is just be the type of student with the type of intellect and the type of interest for that makes Caltech the right school for you. And then you will probably naturally be out there 
learning all you can about science and looking for opportunities to do research and learn new things at the earliest level. You might be tempted to enter the Westinghouse or the Siemens competition because you have a good idea, not because it's something you think sure. you're supposed to do. Sure. Um, you know, my best advice to high school students is relax and be yourself and do things that you think are cool. I had the opportunity to explore and the interest and the energy to do lots of things ranging from music to debate to various academics um, and keep my interests and my options open and although I was lucky to find geology when I got to college and to be able to do it and to stick with it all the way through undergraduate and graduate school and postdoc and to become a professor I do a lot of other things like you mentioned I still am interested in and active in music um, and that it's an important part of life for me that even though I've become a professional and I've gone out into the working world I haven't needed to drop all of my other interests and just do one thing. In general most of my work relates in one way or another mm -hmm. to what happens when you melt a rock either near the surface of the earth or very deep in the earth and based on our understanding of that can we learn things like how hot is the interior of the earth and how has that changed over time and also we can apply the same principles in some cases to other planets either based on samples that we bring back or observations from spacecraft. I'll just reiterate that earth science, geology, geophysics, geochemistry, planetary science, geobiology, these are fascinating areas with lots of interesting research to be done with in many cases really um, satisfying lifestyles that go along with them and they're also uncrowded fields mm -hmm. and this is advice that I give to um, college students mostly but it's worth hearing it in high school you get the most out of college if you can get a personal experience if you can really know your professors if you can really be one of a few students doing research in a lab and that's easiest to do at a small school but at a school of any size it's easiest to do in a small major and in many cases there's more than one way to study a subject you might be interested in and the more surprising way to go about it is often the more satisfying one if you're interested in physics geophysics is something worth considering if you're interested in chemistry geochemistry is something worth considering I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. This is Professor Paul Asimo at Caltech. What struck me about what Professor Asimo had to say was his statement that students shouldn't do things to get into college. They should do things they love and let those things speak for themselves in the college admissions process. It's actually great advice for any kind of student, math, science, dance, or theater. Doing things to try to get into college isn't the key. It's being who you are and doing the things you feel drawn to and then putting together an application that captures those things and brings them to life. It's profound, yet simple. In applying for college, the very best thing you can do is be yourself. With voices like Neil deGrasse Tyson bringing science to the masses, this is indeed a thrilling time to be embarking on an education in math and science. I 
can't think of any more human activity than conducting science experiments. Think about it. What do kids do? Young kids. Kids that can barely walk. What are they doing? They're turning over rocks. They're plucking petals off of rose. They're, they're exploring their environment through experimentation. That's what we do as human beings. And we do that more thoroughly and better than any other species on Earth that we have yet encountered. It helps to have opposable thumbs, of course, and really huge heads with gray matter doing the processing. We explore our environment more than we are compelled to utter poetry when we're toddlers. We start doing that later. Before that happens, every child is a scientist. And so when I think of science, I think of a truly human activity, something fundamental to our DNA, something that drives curiosity. They go together, the act of being curious and the act of wanting to do the experiment. When you conduct science, it is the natural world that is the ultimate decider on what is true and what is not. So what that means is if I discover a scientific idea, surely someone else would have discovered the same idea had I not done so. Whereas, look at Van Gogh's Starry Night. If he didn't paint Starry Night, nobody's going to paint Starry Night. So in that regard, the arts are more individual to the creative person than a scientific idea is to the one who comes up with it. But nonetheless, they're both human activities. In the early days of robots, people said, oh, let's build a robot, and what's the first thought? You make a robot look like a human and do human things. That's so 1950s. We're, we are so past that. All right? The Hubble Space Telescope is a robot. We send it commands. It turns one way. Images the universe, sends the image back to me. It doesn't look like a human being. It doesn't smile. It doesn't have arms and legs. So this notion that a robot might turn on us, and that's not the robots we're creating. Skynet, coming online and achieving consciousness. Okay. I keep doing the movies. They're fun. But I, I live in the real world. <laughs> in the real world, that's simply not the robots we're making. And even if we did, they would just be really good computers of things, and they'd give me access to information. Actually, I already have access to information. It's on my smartphone, a few fingertips away from all gathered knowledge of the human species on Earth. It's called the Internet. I'm already there. People talk about plugging it into your head. I don't need to neuro uh, mechanically plug it into my head with a new uh, brain USB port. It's right here at my fingertips already. Thank you. If there's one thing that comes through all the discussions I've had on the subject of getting into college for a young scientist or mathematician, it's the importance of showing a passion for your subject. When I was reviewing applications at Caltech, it was always easy to spot the students who found joy in a specific area or in an idea. These were students who clearly put in their time in the lab, who'd found a mentor who supported their interests, who'd gone above and beyond in a science fair project. They'd done things to set themselves apart in ways that just jumped off the page of their application. 
The truth is, that's what any good college application does. It shows a particular interest, a special skill, a unique contribution, something you've really dug into and sucked the marrow out of. Maybe this is something science and college admissions have to teach us all. The importance of diving deep into something that really interests you and sharing it with the world. Tune in next Sunday at 1.30 p.m. as we discuss another perspective on the college admissions process, the transfer admissions process. I'd like to thank the students at Caltech's Prefrosh Weekend, Jared Whitney, and Professor Paul Asimo, as well as my assistant producer, Ashley Sim, and of course, my exceptional intern and editor, Colin Chalmers. If you'd like to learn more about my work with students and families, please visit thecolledge.org. That's T-H-E-C-O-L-L-E-D-G-E dot O-R-G. This is your host, Jenny Umhofer, on Access College on KPFK 90.7 Los Angeles. Until next time.